on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, October 24th. LA Galaxy crash out of the playoffs. LAFC the victors in a 3-2 win at Bank of California Stadium last Thursday. It already feels like it was a month, but that means the LA Galaxy season is over. And that means we got to wrap everything up. So we're going to talk about the game, talk a little bit about some contracts and some other dates that are coming up, give you a little clue, at least a schedule or a window into how maybe we're going to handle this offseason, at least in the short term in terms of shows, all that fun stuff. All right. So we got a lot to get to, a lot to talk about. And to help me do that, we're glad he's back right here with us. It's Kevin, the Panda Baxter himself. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? Hey, how come it doesn't say playoff edition? Of the corner of the galaxy, the last couple of weeks we had playoff edition there. In the I, I mean, it, because one is no, I never had an actual graphic that said playoff edition, and two is because it's no longer playoffs. The galaxy are up. That's it. Well, uh, uh, okay, so should we be happy? Galaxy fans should be happy or sad because if you had told the galaxy a galaxy fan in August when they were flying that Klein and Jovan out banner around the stadium, mm-hmm. if you had told them, look. You're going to go into stoppage time of the conference semifinals all even. You're going to make the playoffs. You're going to win your first game. You're going to be in the, it, all even going into stoppage time of the conference semifinals. I think and everybody would have taken that. And now people are like, oh, we lost. But progress was made. Uh, so I, I think you should. I, I, I mean, yes, I think progress is made. I think progress is made on whole on the season. But let's be honest. The progress was made over the last like 11 games. Right. Because really. That Galaxy team was spiraling towards a we're not going to make the playoffs again and we don't have a complete team. And by the way, I should point out that that my lighting situation today is uh, is focused 100 percent on gloomy, rainy. So we have the thunder and lightning in the background a little bit today. I just I just wanted to point that out. I want to I want to adjust appropriately. Still looks kind of like a strip club. Well, well, I mean, I mean, don't most strip clubs look like you should be in the rain? Isn't that how it's supposed to happen? Doesn't it rain inside of strip clubs? You get that. Never. No, 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 no comment. No comment. You got like a pink thing going on. Yeah, something oh, like there's that. There's the ring. Yes, I know. There's the ring. I'm trying. For, for the visual experience, it's, it's more visual, you know, gag than it is maybe a, a an auditory gag. But at the same time, you can still get, you know, your thunder lightning. You can do all that stuff. Okay, good. Glad glad we played that to death uh, very quickly. No, um, I think that there's... So we're talking about if we're happy or sad. Right, right. And I, 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 think, I think if you look at the... I think if you look at the, the overall... Uh, you know, s- sort of progress that was made. There was some made. And again, maybe it was the last 10 games. 
maybe it was Ricky Pooj and, and Gaston Brugman really coming in, but it did fit into the um, the puzzle that was the LA Galaxy at that point, right? It made Douglas Costa look better. It made Chicharito look better. I mean, it really sort of plussed up the whole LA Galaxy. Um, so I think that's good. But if you want to really take a look at it, what did the LA Galaxy win this year? What did they end up with, right? Didn't win an Open Cup, even though they were lined up to, to win an Open Cup. No problems. That was probably the best chance. I'm sure it won't happen next year, but like the best chance to win an Open Cup, it lined up for them. They should have won it. They should have been in the final, at least, in order to be there and, and possibly had a, a look at that at, at a U.S. Open Cup. They didn't get it, right? They didn't qualify in a high enough spot to, to be in a Champions League, so they didn't get any Champions League spots. They didn't win a supporter shield, so they didn't win that. And they're not going to win an MLS Cup, right? Again, since 2014 was the last time that they, they went to an MLS Cup final and, uh, and, and then won it in that, that year. So on the grand scheme of things, yes, I think you have to be happy with the baby steps that were put forward. But in the overarching best team in Major League Soccer carrying the banner for MLS, we're better than everybody else, right? This is what the Galaxy say. Um, then no. Then, then no, they weren't better than everybody else. And and they fell apart again, sort of whenever I, I think you really needed them to. So um, you're not their best game against LAFC, right, either. And so I think if you add all those things up, I can understand saying, OK, I have some positive feelings about what is happening for next year. Maybe because we don't know what it what it really means yet. Right. Um, and certainly we saw a Guillermo Barrescoloto team do something similar, which is win the first round of the playoffs and then go ahead and get knocked out by LAFC. I mean, if you want to know the 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 thing that should be above the LA Galaxy's locker room right now is can't get it done in the playoffs against LAFC. That's what should be in their locker room because that's the truth. When the biggest games have been played, the Galaxy have always sort of prided themselves on being better than LAFC, right? And whenever they played, and if you look at the overall record, it's clear LAFC have never beaten the LA Galaxy at Dignity Health Sports Park. But in the two biggest games that they have played against them in the two Western Conference semifinals, the Galaxy have come up short, both of them. And guess where the Galaxy start next season against LAFC? I, I was going to say, say it's, it is, uh, and I think it was Chris Tucker who sort of brought it up, but it was, um, he, said, he said it's strange to think that whoever loses this game, he was talking about it before the game happened, whoever loses this game will then have to face that team in their very next game. Like, yeah, at the, at the Rose Bowl, back to the future. So I, I think when you look at this, you say, okay, they did make the playoffs. They hosted a playoff game. First mm -hmm. time they've done that since 2016. Progress. They they did make the playoffs. That's progress. Uh, Vanny talked about it afterwards. Greg Vanny talked about it afterwards, about how, yes, this team learned some things, and they did progress. Um, you know, they had to do it with a sprint at the end. They only lost one of their last, uh, uh, you know, until the LFC game, one of their last 11 games. So, yeah, progress was made. But then on the other hand, you look at this and you say, they still have a losing record since 2017. Mm -hmm. This is the longest span they've ever gone. In, in franchise history without making an MLS Cup final. Yep. They haven't even got past the conference semifinals. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you're, you're lacking a little progress there. You know, for all the, the, the steps they took forward, they were only two games over 500. They were 14, 12, and 8. Um, yeah. That's not, that's not going to win you a supporter shield by any – or even get you in the conversation. They only got the home playoff game on the tiebreaker. Yes, they got it, but it was, it was close. And, and then the other thing that strikes me is uh, there was progress made. The Galaxy found – found out the way they wanted to play, the way they could win. They finally captured Vanny's vision. This is what he's wanted for the last year and a half. This team that he had with Brugman and, and, and Ricky Puj, that's what they wanted. They finally got it. But what that tells me is I think Ricky Puj had a great year. 
What if he gets an offer? What if he goes back to Europe? Or what if Brugman goes? Or Caceres may not come back. He's 35. He's going to the World Cup. Why should he come back? You know, if if the, that's his last World Cup, they lose one any one of those three guys, and they could be back to that mediocre team that we saw, our sub mediocre team that we saw in August. So, I guess the point is, yes, they made some progress, but man, it it, it is a, a razor thin margin separating them from August to now. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say this. Um, I would say the LA Galaxy in the last 11 games of the season were one of the best teams in Major League Soccer, which makes them falling, I think, flat against LAFC. I, th- I would call it a flat. They they did not come out the way that I expected to. Maybe you should give credit to LAFC for some of the things they did. I think you should. But the Galaxy didn't play the way that we've sort of expected them to play um, in these games. And and, and certainly from, from the people who were out there, you know, I, I didn't think you had a good performance from Douglas Costa. I didn't think Julian Araujo played particularly well. I thought Ricky... Pouge was out of his element, uh, certainly. Almost could have gotten red carded. Maybe should have gotten red carded in the opening minutes of that game. Um, yeah, I think the book on Ricky now, if, I, I, I think Nashville tried this too. Get physical with him. He's a little guy. Uh, he relies on 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 his you know, footwork, his speed, um, his technique. Mm-hmm. He's not a physical player. Right. And I think teams found out that if you beat him up, take him out of his game, force him to get a little bit angry and force him to try to match you physically – that you can you, you you can isolate him and I let, let, I think that's what happened to Ricky. Let's be very clear, only maybe one team and maybe LAFC did it and he still played I thought pretty well. Uh Ricky, I don't think he played as well as he could have, right? But I still think he played only one team maybe at the end was able to actually make him angry and not effective. Right? Because for the rest of the season for the rest of the 11 games or 12 games that he played he was an unstoppable force. I don't think that that's going to be an issue. We saw bunches of teams try to try to the push a push, right? You're going to you're going to push Ricky around. It doesn't really work that well. He's actually pretty quick and he can get the ball off and he well, turns well, and the whole thing. What we were talking about before the game is Kellen or before the show, Kellen Acosta said after the game that in the first half, the Galaxy were tracking direct and right up the field. And they they led in possession. They they were, I wouldn't say they dominated the game, but I think they were the better team in the first half. Yeah. And they were coming directly up the middle. And Kellen Acosta said the adjustment they made at halftime is they decided that the Galaxy, you know, they had that great spine, Caceres to Bergman to, to Pouge right up the middle to Chicharito, that, that the Galaxy were too direct. And what they wanted to do is force them to be lateral, force them to go side to side. Um, Acosta said LAFC was just spending too much energy, too much running, chasing Pooj up the middle. So what they did is they focused on Brogman, tried to take him out of the game, right. and then forced Delgado and Ricky Pooj to go wide. And that allowed them to conserve some energy and to control the midfield. I, I, and I think largely it, it worked. And then, as you were saying, when the Galaxy started bringing on subs, when they were chasing the game in the last 10 minutes, they they lost their shape. And, and they had to. They didn't have a choice. But then they kind of lost their shape, and that's where things started to go sideways a little bit. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I, I definitely think the shape issue in the second half, and some of it was was mandated by the score as well. Um, so, so that's something to look at. Listen, overall, and I said this after the game, Kevin, I thought the game was everything that you wanted in El Trafico in the playoffs to be. I mean, if you're a neutral and you watch that game, uh, and I had many family members who, who don't normally watch Galaxy games watch the game, um, and I, I had people who texted me, hey, man, that was such a great game. These games continue to live up to the hype. And I think um, if you're looking at it from an MLS perspective, they got everything that they wanted out of that game. I mean, you have a game that's 1-1 uh, thanks to like, you know, a 44th minute tying goal from from Sam Grancier, um, who who puts in a who puts in a goal and then it stays 1-1 until the 80th. And then you see LAFC, LAFC score in the 80th. And you're like, 
this game's over. There's no way the Galaxy can come. And then Jovalich comes out and does classic Jovalich things. Not only steals a pass from Chicha, but then buries it in the upper corner. Uh, past Crepo and all that stuff. And now it's 2-2, pandemonium inside the stadium. Uh, you could hear Galaxy fans screaming, shouting, all that fun stuff. So you see that. Um, and then you get the stoppage time winner. I mean, you know, hey, it went badly for the Galaxy there in the stoppage time winner. But overall, uh, I thought the Galaxy fought really, really well on a night where they didn't necessarily have their A game. Um, and I thought they forced LAFC. I, I'm going to be very... Very honest. I don't know if this. I don't know if you think this is crazy or not, Kevin. But for, to me, I think this makes a lot of sense. Uh, for me, the LA Galaxy were, in my opinion, one of the few teams I thought that could beat LAFC. Um, in in maybe maybe in the rest of the league. Um, well, there's only two teams that beat them twice this year: the Galaxy and Austin. Right. Now they're going to play Austin. Only two teams beat them at home: Austin and and Nashville. Nashville beat them in the last game of the regular season. So. Um, you know, LAFC has sort of dominated the rest of the league. This was also a very good night for anyone wearing the number 99, or in Arango's case, the number nine. Um, all the goals coming from, well, all but one coming from people wearing number 99. Right. Uh, the, the Galaxy did fight back twice from deficits. I mean, there's something to be said for that, including deficit in the last 10 minutes of regulation. Yeah. Um, so they certainly didn't give up. I mean, they certainly gave LAFC everything that they could handle. Um and we'll we'll see, you know, we'll see this Sunday whether the Galaxy were able to to uncover any LAFC weaknesses that Austin may be able to exploit. The one thing with Austin is they are so good on set pieces. Yeah, second uh, most goals, I think, seventeen goals off set pieces this year. Well, well, I mean, you, you the Galaxy got the shaky LAFC defense that I think that everybody was expecting as well, right? Because you had Grand Sir who scored on the rebound off of a poor clearance. That was, by the way, Galaxy. You want to know the blueprint for the Galaxy winning this game? Let's be very clear on the expected goals front. The Galaxy didn't have the best chances. 2.6 for LAFC, 0.4 for the LA Galaxy. The Galaxy got two goals off of a 0.4. That's a very, we play against LAFC uh, uh, sort of uh, aberration. So is like the 60% possession for the LA Galaxy. It's very, when they play LAFC, they're going to have 60% possession. Um, so all of these things sort of sit there and, and you look at that. Um, so I think you got the shaky defense, but Sam Grand Sear hit one off the crossbar before LAFC scored. If you wanted the blueprint for how the Galaxy were going to win, Sam needed to have that one go on the underside of the crossbar, or not not the overside, the the top side of the crossbar, um, because they needed to take the half chances that they got. And I, I will say the LAFC had a shaky defense in a couple different areas, and for the most part, the Galaxy didn't make them pay. But also, I think the LAFC did a very good job of limiting who was getting the ball around the box. Look at where most of the shots came from were outside the box. Ricky had a couple shots from outside the box. You know, Sam had a shot from outside the box. Jovalich's goal comes from outside the box. They weren't finding that space in behind the LAFC defense. And I think, um, you know, when you look at LAFC, they had their designated players show up, right? Their DPs showed up. I don't know that you can say that for Chicharito, although I thought he had an okay game. He just was very well marked most of the time. Um, he certainly Douglas Costa, I think, did not have a good game. Uh, and he cost the LA Galaxy a goal. Um, probably on either side is my guess, just by the way he, he played. Um, so, so you did well, that. He fell down on the, he fell down on the first goal. He got pushed, but I mean, I, but not a foul. I would never consider that a foul. He was on the wrong side of the ball, and and he didn't track. And well, <laughs> the the other thing LAFC did too is what they've done all year. They're just so deep. When a Poku comes off the bench, he kind of changes the game a little bit. They they had guys coming off the bench. Yes, Jovalik scored the goal, and that was a huge goal. But I, I thought the LAFC substitutions, at least some of them changed the way the game was being played. 
um, for the benefit of LAFC. I don't know if you could say that about the Galaxy subs. Yeah, and, and listen, I, I mean, I didn't love the sub patterns either. I mean, that's certainly something that I think everybody wants to focus on and sort of see, you know, where everything's going. Um, so for it just... There were too many little things like <laughs> I didn't love like Julian Araujo not switching in with with Douglas Costa on the first goal, right? The Galaxy. And how many times do we see it this year? The Galaxy in a set defense, right? This is not a transition. Remember, we so often talk about the Galaxy and their bad transitions, and that's where the goals come from, all this. But we saw it a lot this year as well was the Galaxy are set in a transition. They are they are set in a defense, I should say. So they're, they're behind the ball. That's where LAFC scores in a trans in a transitionless sort of set. They're just passing the ball around. There's no real danger there until Costa decides to be a half step slow on his marker and Araujo doesn't come over and help. Um, like I said, I think if you go back and look at it, it was one of Julian's worst games. Uh, certainly he, he got stripped on the second goal too. And then there was like a 12 pass sequence mm-hmm. that uh, ended with, with, uh, with the goal at the far post. Yeah. The goal at the far post. And, and we've, we've heard them talk. We've heard Araujo talk with, uh, with Delgado and Delgado talk about Araujo and they talk about how they're going to cover each other. Well, that's an instance of Delgado covering for Araujo. Araujo doesn't run all the way back because Delgado is in his position, right? So it's up to Julian maybe to stay a little outside of that. What ends up happening is that Delgado gets beat to the far post there. Um, and Araujo still making his way back whenever that happens. Again, that's not necessarily a fault because everybody's in the position they're supposed to be in, right? Whenever this, whenever you do have a turnover, whenever you do have a give over, everybody collapsed in the positions they're supposed to be in. But if you're, if you have a chance to do that one again, doesn't Araujo maybe sprint hard all the way back and try to get back into a position and help out Delgado in that? It was not necessarily emergency defending time. I thought the Galaxy had it very well covered. Um, they just missed that, that back post. And when you do that, you leave yourself open to things. Well, so where are we with this team? We were talking before uh, we started this. Are you taking cough drops? Yeah, of course. Are you? Are you? Okay. I'm still sick. If you were having. I'm still sick. Oh, okay. Uh, just so you know, this is week three of being sick since my kid gave me whatever this nasty. I, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news, but hospitals are filling up with kids because they have the RSV and they're having flu symptoms yeah. and all this stuff. Well, that's what my kid had. Uh, and we almost took him to the hospital. And we were like, oh, okay, maybe he's going to, maybe we have to take him to the hospital. And we, we were like, okay, I think he's okay. So we took him to the doctor the next day and they ended up giving him like a nebulizer so that way he could breathe and do all this stuff. And that's what all these kids are getting to, to be set up. And I just went and dropped him off this morning at his, uh, at his uh, preschool. And she, one of the, the teacher goes, oh, look who's back. It's this other kid. And I'm like, oh, I go, was he sick? She's like, yeah, everybody's sick. And I'm like, yeah, I know. We're all sick at home. She's like, I'm, I'm sick too. Like everybody's sick. It's just, it's just one of those things. But we haven't had like a break from it. I think my wife and I for like two, two and a half weeks now. So yeah, it's been, well, she was at the convention in Las Vegas. She was giant room. She, she was living it up. That was, that was her life right there. Uh, by the way, Sergio says uh, $5 super chat was the galaxy's physicality. Um, or was the galaxy physically affected by having less rest than LAFC? I didn't think so. I didn't, did you, did you see anything that sort of indicated that LAFC had fresher legs for any reason? It, it didn't feel that way. No, but but I, they were awfully physical. I thought that was a real cheap shot, Arango on uh, Casares near the end of the first half. Uh, I mean, just clearly waited for the referee to turn his back and then just level them. There was no point to that. And I also thought that the, the Ricky Poos thing, when three guys just dumped him. Yeah, you're right. Ricky could have got a yellow card or a red card when he jumped up mm-hmm. uh, and, and kind of fought back. But but he also got taunted. I mean, I, I do think that LAFC was 
was out to intimidate the galaxy. And, and you know, we, we've already debated whether or not it was successful. But I, I do think both those things happened in the first half. I think that was part of their game plan. But you, so anyway, sick as you are, you're still going to the bridge dedication tomorrow. Which I'm not, about which, which, we've, oh, not, which we've already talked about like 30 times. <laughs> I thought you were going. No, okay. no, because it's on a Tuesday in the middle of the day where I have work. So no, I wouldn't be going. You got a job? Yes, a real Perhaps. job. What do you know? Francisco, uh, $1 super chat. We appreciate that, Francisco. Uh, Francisco gave us another one, by the way. $2 super chat says, what does the Galaxy, uh, when does the Galaxy release their roster update? So that's not going to happen and it doesn't need to happen. I think until November 7th, if I... I remember correctly here. Let me pull it up. Um, November 7th is whenever the trade deadline opens up. November 14th is whenever all of the um, all, all of the exercise of options and contract offers have to be in. So you're going to start seeing stuff on November 7th whenever trade deadline opens up for a little bit. And then November 14th is whenever all the options have to be up. And how is the... We've never had a year like this before where we're going to end the MLS Cup, go right into all this offseason stuff as a World Cup is going on with some MLS players in it. This, by the way, we know for a fact, unless unless they all of a sudden decide that Julian Araujo is going to change affiliation again, this will be the first time the U.S. has played in a World Cup during the MLS era in which no L, current LA Galaxy players are on the team. So the, the World Cup, it does, I mean, Casares will be there for Uruguay, but it really doesn't affect the Galaxy as far as the U.S. national team goes. I, I wonder if that is going to have any impact on what people do. Are they going to want to trade a guy or or decline an option if a guy's at the World Cup or you know give him a re- whatever? Uh, do you think there's any transactions involving World Cup players? Yeah, yeah, okay. I think you have to. I mean, I well, I mean, do I really expect the MLS trade window that's going to open up for a little bit to be that? I don't expect it to be that involving. I really don't. So I, I it's not. I don't think that's something you should get excited about, right? All of the stuff really going to happen after you get into the the European transfer window, whenever that opens up in the winter time, right? And that's going to be after. That's going to be super busy because that's of all the be World crazy. Cup players coming out of it. Yeah. And all this stuff, it's going to be nuts. Um, so I think that's where it's really going to um, come. You're going to see a down. lot of guys who decide. I you know. I think Casares is in this pool. Like, hey. Uh, I played my World Cup. He's going to be 36 next season. Does he want to come back? Does he want to put his body through this again, knowing the World Cup is four years away? Um, you know, maybe he just loves the game. Maybe he will come back. You know, Ronaldo is a guy that could have a lot of interest here in MLS. If he has a big World Cup for Portugal, maybe he'll stay in Europe. I mean, there's a soap opera now at United. He's definitely not going to stay at right. United uh, through the transfer window. But if he has a great World Cup, maybe he winds up on, on a La Liga team. Maybe he goes back to Italy. If he doesn't have a big World Cup and he's got that $24 million contract, I bet you you know Manchester United decides he's going to pay a little bit to get out of that. And maybe he does come to MLS. We've heard about Suarez perhaps coming to MLS. I think a lot of older European – I don't think Bale comes back, by the way. I think he came to LAFC only – to get fit for the World Cup, it hasn't worked out. He's had two starts. He's apparently hurt, has a left leg issue. Um, hasn't looked like he's really having a good time here. I I don't see Gareth Bale coming back, but I do think you'll see a lot of these mid thirty or older European players after the World Cup, you know, come to MLS. It's interesting. Like Caceres is one. We we do have a chart. I can bring up the chart just that way we can we can talk a little bit about it. These are the players that we know are technically out of contract or. This is according to the best records we can find. There are people out here that, and I know I saw a list today that said like all these people are out of contracts too. There's no way those people know when those contracts are because some of this is not public, 
right? So this is the most public information that we have. We know that Chicharito's contract is up and we already know his extra, his option has been exercised. We talk about that. So he'll be back next year, but technically his contract is up and an option needs to be exercised. And, and he has the richest contract in, in club history as well. Yeah. Seven, seven point, yeah 7.4. It's 7.4. Or 7.4, yeah, excuse me. 7. Over 7. 4. Yeah. And, and Zlatan was 7.1. So he's just above that. Correct. Uh, Derek Williams uh, has his contract up. He has a club option. Uh, Jonathan Bond has his contract up. He has two club options. Uh, you had Sega Koulibaly, whose contract is up. He has one club option. Victor Vasquez's contract is up. He has one club option. You have uh, Martin Caceres there. Uh, he has uh, his contract is up. He has one club option as well. Uh, then we get down into Sasha Kleshin has a club option. His contract is up, though. Uh, Richard Sanchez has a club option. You have uh, Eric Zavaleta, who has a club option. You have Daniel Aguirre, who has three club options. I think they've already exercised one. Uh, so he still has two more left. That That's still going. Preston Judd has a club option. Excuse me, has two club and, options. What does that tell you? I mean, there's a ton of decisions that have to be made at center back. I mean, you're not going to let Derek Williams go. You're not going to fail to exercise that option if you're going to lose Koulibaly and Casera. So, and, you know, and Zavaleta would be a guy that, uh, and, and Dupuy, you know, those are guys at the back end of that. I think first you have to make your decisions on Caceres and, and Sega, and then you, you, from there you move on to, to Derek Williams, and then you go from there. But um, what, that's five center backs all with options? Are you going to bring all five of them back? No, but I mean, that that also, you don't know whether or not you're going to get Caceres back, right? Because he that's, that's going to be up to him as well. He's Remember, he came to the Galaxy, he came to play, and he's 35, I think, as you said, right? 35? Yeah, he's 35. He'd be 36, I believe, so, season. So, so, oh, are you, so are you going to get rid of Derek Williams, who is a good center back? Not not maybe the best. Maybe he can't start every game. But are you going to get de- rid of Derek Williams, knowing that Caceres is 35 and could possibly get injured at any time, who's coming back from World Cup? Maybe he doesn't even come back. Maybe they already have a good idea. We have to guess. But maybe they already have a good idea of what Martin is. Uh, you know, be. he could wait until December 20th. I mean, let's just say he has a, a great World Cup and he's really fired up and really wants to play. Or let's say he just has a terrible World Cup and just says, I'm done. I mean, obviously, I'm done. They may not know until December 20th. Well, I mean, uh, December 18th, at least. But just remember, the Galaxy control him, though. They have a club option, so they could op- exercise the option and he comes back. But I'm just saying it's more than that. Like, when you look at Zavaleta, and listen, we have we don't know about Depew, we don't know about Klinsman, we don't know about Johnny Perez, Cameron Dunbar, although most of the homegrowns, which are, are Perez, Dunbar, Neil for Kranis, and Saldana, I wouldn't worry about. We don't know about Carlos Harvey, um, although I wouldn't expect that his contract is up. I think they just secured him from Toro FC this last year, if I remember, although all the years sort of melt together. So I wouldn't expect his contract is up. But some of these guys, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Nick Depew's contract is up. So... What are you going to do and how are you going to fill that? Now, you're talking about Nick DePew, a guy who doesn't necessarily play that much. But compared to Derek Williams, who makes $820,000, Nick DePew is a perfectly serviceable backup. If you want to use that eight hundred and twenty, which is sort of that one of those higher salary ranges, um, eight hundred and twenty to do something else. Right. So you can go and get it. Let's be before we really dive into this. Let's look at the LAFC game and tell you, and and if I'm looking at it, where's the one area that I thought the LA Galaxy struggled with? And Kevin, I think you called this out, by the way. Um, one thing is, I think you were correct whenever you said you thought LAFC's depth would cause problems for the Galaxy. I think it did. Um, the second thing I think you said was you were worried about the LA Galaxy's wing play. And we've, yeah. we've, we've been worried about the wing play. Now, listen, Grand Sierra almost had two goals. So it's kind of hard to sort of criticize that. But at the same time, I thought the LA Galaxy's wing play was lacking. Um, and I thought Costa tucked in too much. And in fact, the graphic shows me that Costa tucked in too much. 
Uh, he tucks into his normal spot, but usually what happens is whenever he tucks in there, uh, Araujo is able to bring, come up and around and play a little bit higher role. And I think you see some of that in the average position and the passing breakdown and all those things that you sort of see. But look how far Grand Sur was up. So you basically had Grand Sur playing a free role. And and this is something that sort of changes as well. Grand Sur in the last probably two or three games, Kevin, was found everywhere on the field. He was all over the place, right? And that's something that he hadn't been given the green light to just go roam around and be free. But look where he was scoring. He almost scored from the right-hand side whenever he hit the post, and he did score from the right-hand side whenever he got the rebound and put it in, right? So that's the, those, like, I still think the Galaxy need a winger. I think that they need a real winger. And so you have to figure out where you're going to put that. If you're going to have Costa come back, you're probably not going to get a guy on the right side, right? If you're going to say that you need a winger, then that means Grand Sur probably isn't your guy because you're going to bring in somebody else who can play on that left wing. But Grand Sur could be a good backup, which means you probably need to move the elephant in the room, which is Kevin Cabral, right? And so, I mean, these are the things. But in my mind, where's the... Give me two positions you think the LA Galaxy need in the offseason. Well, I was not impressed with the outside backs. I mean, Araujo was my defender of the year. I'm not so sure Raheem Edwards had a great game against LAFC. And I, and I think Julian still finds himself in bad positions too often. I would like to have at least one good outside back. Um, and, and then it depends on what happened with the center backs. I mean, I think there is a solid foundation for one season with Chicharito coming back. I think Chicharito, uh, Ricky Pouge, and, and Bergman in the midfield, I think that is solid. I, I think you're right. At least one winger, I would like to see one more quality outside back. I'm a little concerned about things at center back if, if – if those guys leave it, and, and I, I get your point about, yes, they have options. I think you go to Nick Dupuy and say, um, you're coming back. But I don't think you go to a four-time World Cup player like Caceres and say, we have your option. We're fortunate to come back. I think he gets to make that choice. And and then the other dominoes have to fall in place after that. Um, just, uh, just, just reiterate, though, that I understand what you're saying whenever you're trying to be nice to players and figure out where they go and stuff like that. But let's be very clear. The Galaxy hold that card. No, oh, they do. They can, okay. they can, they can, they can be jerks and say, you're coming back. We've got a gun to your head. But do you really want a guy like that, a team leader, uh, a guy who's been there and done that to, to be unhappy? So I think you have to weigh that. You know, you talked about the designated players. Um, we know, we, we believe the Galaxy are in advanced talks with Suarez. They would not deny that they're talking to him. They wouldn't confirm it. But it was kind of a wink and a nod like, you know, hey, we would tell you if we weren't doing it. And we're not telling you that. So guess what? Um and now, uh, I think the soap opera again, the soap opera in Manchester at Manchester United, which started last Wednesday when Cristiano Ronaldo walked off the, the bench and into the locker room and left the stadium while his team was still playing, uh, refused an order to come in. Um, they're paying him over $24 million. Um, they apparently, Man City, Man United rather, said that they offered him on a free transfer last summer and had no takers. So mm. that kind of tells you where that situation is. Cristiano Ronaldo has always talked about com- wanting to come to MLS, but he wanted to compete at the highest level as long as he could. This is not the highest level, but he can't compete that way anymore. So, if he, again, depending on his World Cup, he could be coming here. I see the, the, the three suitors for him being Inter-Miami, LAFC, and the Galaxy. Inter-Miami has no DPs, or maybe I think they have one sign now. Um, they have a lot of money. David Beckham, a former teammate, is a part of the ownership group there. They're lined up. The Galaxy, however... They're the team that with the MO, they're the team that's done this in the past. They're talking to Suarez. Would they change direction and go and get Ronaldo if he became available? There's a lot of things that are falling into place. The Galaxy already have the second largest payroll 
in MLS. So they're spending money. Um, and you look at that and say, oh, well, what if Man United said, look, we'll pay half the salary. The Galaxy would still be on uh, on the hook for an annual salary of $12 million. And you'll say, well, that's ridiculous. They can't pay that. Oh, yeah, Toronto just paid a guy $14 million. They have two players under contract for $20.6 million. The, you know, the Galaxy, if they paid $12 million for Ronaldo, they'd have two, him and Chicharito, for under $20 million. There's a new TV deal with Apple TV Plus coming in that's going to be more money. It does, it's not more money for the Galaxy. That's true. Well, yeah, they lose their, 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 they lose the spectrum money. Yeah. But, but, you know, going forward, there is a revenue stream there. So I, I can see this happening, but the Galaxy are not in a great position to make this happen. Does Ronaldo come in and help or does he hurt? Certainly he's talented, but, um, you know, we saw the, the he's kind of ego problem and, and the, the dressing room stuff that Zalatan brought along. Yeah, they made the playoffs with him, but nobody really had a good time. Nobody really liked playing with him. Would Suarez be a better choice for that? But then you make the point, they got to get rid of somebody to create a room even to have this conversation well even and one of those guys like if you want suarez you have to you have to create you know, a hole. I, I don't think you're gonna yeah i don't I, I why would you want both i mean that would be a headache that and where would they play but yeah in, yeah, in the rose know, bowl <laughs> costa i thought he played a little bit better at the end of the season i thought he was a little bit more useful but at five million dollars was he useful enough to to, to earn five million dollars it's certainly easy to get rid of cabral his salary is a lot lower he has, you know, he's younger. He had a chance to go back to France, maybe. Um, he would be the easier, easier one to get rid of. But do you help the team by getting rid of Cabral on that cost? I mean, there's a lot of decisions that have to be made. Obviously. Yeah, I, I mean, I've always thought that you have a better chance of loaning Cabral out than buying him out. So you might be able to loan him out to a League Two team and just sort of just move his salary off the books that way. Um, I think that you could go out and buy Costa out uh, with one more year left on his contract. I don't know that you want to just pocket five. It, you just want to shell out $5 million. Instead, you could probably have him play. Cabral seems like the likely person to move here. Um, and then you have to figure out whether or not the LA Galaxy are going to make sign another young DP, right? If you do move Cabral and you need to bring in a young DP, then you're going to have to... If you don't, then you have to figure out what to do with guys like Jovalich, which may go to what you're saying, Kevin. Maybe maybe Dayon Jovalich is not going to stay as an LA Galaxy player. He said, see you next year in his post, right? He was ready to come back, and he has a contract, I think, until 2025. So he's not going anywhere, and he's under LA Galaxy control. If you're the Galaxy, you hold on to him as long as you can because what he brings you off the bench is something you're not going to be able to find anywhere else. Um, and you are gonna, if you're going to bring in the, the, the elder statesman, Chicharito and Luis Suarez, or Chicharito and Cristiano Ronaldo, you better have some backups. Well, and there's another interesting thing going on, and when you see teams like LAFC with Bale's contract essentially have four DPs right now on the books. Although, you know, there, there's a mechanism that they've gotten finished the season without that. The Galaxy essentially, if they bring in Suarez or Ronaldo and Suarez talks, we understand are a little bit advanced. That's our fourth DP. There's been a lot of talk that MLS, as they begin to enter this, this tournament with the Liga MX next August, what I've heard from a number of different people is that the difference between MLS and, and Liga MX is the, is the MLS starting lineups, by and large, are better. Their, top, their first 11, especially the top end of that, the DP end of that, is better than Liga MX. But Liga MX, their middle of the lineup players and their bench players get paid way more. They're just more quality that they can come off the bench. And that's why they wear down MLS teams. So to counter that, what do you do? You increase the size of your roster spend. You get better players in those 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th positions. Well, one way to do that is to increase the number of DPs and increase the num uh, amount of spending. Right. This new Apple TV Plus deal may do that. And, and I, I say all that because 
uh, MLS is very opaque. They don't really share much information. They're very closely guarded. Uh, but I have heard that there's been just some discussions of increasing the DP pool, maybe to four players, some uh, other kind of financial mechanism to allow teams to sign more players at high salaries. That may be why a lot of these teams are now looking around. And, and again, LAFC appears to have four DPs. The Galaxy are talking to what may be a fourth DP. We could see something this winter where teams are allowed to spend more and increase the size of their roster because of this Liga MX tournament coming up and because they want to compete with those teams. I'll say that I've seen nothing concrete on any of that fourth DP. No, I just, it's it's all, it's all rumors, but that's the way MLS works. I I mean, bottom line for the galaxy is that they're playing right now with like two DPs. Whenever you figure that Costa is probably half a DP and, and so is uh, Cabral Cabral is probably less than half of a designated player, but also he's in that young DP spot. There are roster mechanisms for all this. I mean, I think, Tam, you were talking about, you know, fat getting a little fatter on that the center of that roster and targeted allocation money was supposed to help with getting that that center roster a little bit more. But it's also, I think, gone down in terms of um, where the the general allocation money has been funneled. And that has made, as you said, the ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th player a little bit higher up on that list. So. Um, well, MLS is in this weird position. This is the first year they, they went over, I think it was 10 million in attendance. Was it 10 million? They set an attendance, overall attendance record, and everyone's like, oh, that's great. Well, that's because Charlotte came in the league, and you have Charlotte and Atlanta and Seattle regularly during crowds of over 35,000. So they have this incredible overall attendance. I think it was 10 teams had their uh, attendance decrease, some of them by as much as 15%. Right. So the, the league on the high end appears to be very healthy, and the low end appears to be a little bit sick. And, uh, you know, the rising tide is not lifting all boats. So um, that's another thing you're going to have to, you know, make sure that these teams at the lower end or San Jose's and those teams just aren't pocketing the money. You know, if you're going to increase the salary uh, uh, for for players, and you're going to increase the amount teams can spend. You got to make sure teams are spending. That. I mean, you, you know, even if it was it Nashville, one of the playoff teams, their salary or their payroll was like nine or ten million dollars. I think Philadelphia was down there too. Right. Well, I mean, there should be a a, a floor, right? There should it, well, there's a, the cap or ceiling, right? There should be a floor as well. Um, I, I I think that's sort of mandated by by a lot of things. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is going to be interesting. I just, the galaxy do have flexibility in how they want to go about this off season. And to me, I'm looking at winger position. I'm looking at possibly the, the problem with everybody saying, oh, well, you need, you're, you're not going to find better value, uh, at the right back position than Julian Rajo. And I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, certainly from Scott French did some reporting on soccer America about Julian Rajo. And it seems like Julian is more than more than set to understand he may spend another year in major league soccer. Um, and I think if the, that works out well for the galaxy. So you're not going to go out and get a right back. You might get a backup right back because Leardam didn't see much time and whether or not he wants to stay and how that sort of works. Um, you know, people were questioning why Leardam didn't get as much time. It's because Julian Rajo is one of the better attacking right backs in major league soccer. You know, you can talk about defensive right backs, right? And you can get somebody who sits at home a little bit more, but you have that in Kelvin Leardam, quite honestly, but the Galaxy's offense, because of the way that Douglas Costa sort of sits into a spot and doesn't necessarily play a traditional winger, um, you need Julian Rajo to create an offense on the outside. That's where the offense comes for. It's one of the reasons Julian was so successful this year, and he had a very up-and-down year, uh, but that was he was fine. And if you want to talk about the variety the Galaxy already have at left back, Raheem Edwards obviously can play wing back, can play left back. Who backs him up right now is Chase Gasper. Uh, Chase Gasper is a significant monetary spend. So is Raheem Edwards. Whenever you add them together, I think they're like $700,000 combined, right? So you're spending money at the left back role. If you're not going to, if, if Raheem Edwards is not the answer there, 
and he played more minutes, I think more games, had more assists than he ever had in his entire career. So this was a real learning experience for him. Um, I don't know that that necessarily that you move. You already have players in those positions. Um, so I, I know everybody wants to sit there and say, oh, well, they're, you know, they're definitely going to go out and get these outside backs and do all that stuff. For my mind and the way that the roster is lined up, they kind of already have people set in there. So you'd either have to move people or you're going to spend extra money on positions where you already have cover. Um, well, you, you know what a, a position that I think needs some examination is the midfield. I think they have three midfielders. The starting midfielders are great. Uh, keep that trio together. It worked. It turned the season around when when Brugman and, and Ricky Push came in. All of a sudden, Mark Delgado had a role and 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 fulfilled it. You know, magnificently. He finally uh, was comfortable doing what he was doing. But you know, I I think the Alvarez experiment is over. It just never worked out. He's making a lot of money. Got to move him. Uh, Victor Vasquez was a big help. Um, his experience was was uh, you know, essential. Hurt too often. I just don't see, you know, not at his I, I number coming back. His number's too high, right? So, like at yeah. four hundred forty thousand dollars, that's a huge spend for a guy who and probably is. Question went. Question went down to eighty four. Um, I don't think. I don't think Victor does that. I don't think Victor comes back. So I you need to replace. I, 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 you know, you need to replace Efrain. You need to replace because uh, I think he should go. You need to replace Victor now. You do have guys like like Dunbar on the bench. I mean, do you, you give those guys some playing time now? I think you're 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 three starters are going to play 80 minutes, average 80 minutes a game. So you don't need much cover. You know, Sash is an interesting case. Uh, he took a huge pay cut because he was, he was committed to this. He came back. I think he could, he's going to be a coach with the galaxy somewhere. Does he come back maybe as an official playing coach? You know, Burhalter was an official playing coach his last season with the galaxy. Um, he, he, so or, he already was this year. And I, we talked about it before. He is part of the mentor program. So he is getting money as being paid as part of the mentor program on top of his salary. So he technically speaking player coach. I mean, whenever, does he come back to do that again? I mean, at $84,000, I'm not sure it matters. Right. I mean, like to me, I know people freak out about roster spots, but show me how many of the 30 players actually play on a roster. Right. And so like, it's not that many, right. You can go back and look at all the bottom guys who like, I said, Richard Sanchez on here and half of you had to go Google Richard Sanchez and figure out who he was. Right. And so that's a roster spot. It's a roster spot. The galaxy need to fill and you need to have a third goalkeeper. And he's the guy who's filling that third goalkeeper. Who's not going to go play at G2. Who's only going to play up at, at ML. He's filling a very specific role. So don't talk to me about wasted roster spots and money at $84,000. Sasha Kleshin for what he brings in terms of, uh, leadership and mentorship, you could do worse with a roster spot. No, well, I, first of all, I thought Richard Sanchez was part of a Los Lobos. See, exactly. But um, no, I, my argument is I think Sasha, absolutely, I'd love to see Sasha come back. I'd love to see him play a bigger role as a coach. I think he has a lot to give. But when you look at it from his perspective, he's got to put in all that training. He's got to do all that travel. He's got to dedicate himself. He's got to keep his body in shape. He's got to get to bed early. He's got to um, you know, get up early. He's got to do a lot of stuff that he's been doing for 20 years and maybe he just doesn't want to do it if he's not going to get to play. I mean, I'm thinking that from his perspective, right. the galaxy the, you know, yeah, don't come up with salary, but make him a player coach. Give, give him something to do. I, I thought he was invaluable. I'd love to see him sitting on the bench, even if he never plays, because you know what he does. He tells guys things. He teaches guys things. Um, and same thing that Victor Vasquez did. I just don't see Victor coming back. And I don't I, and see I, both of them. I think it's one or the other. And in some form, Victor would have to take a huge pay cut in order to make that work. That to me yeah. seems the likelihood. Um, let me get and, to, and yeah, go ahead. I, I was just last thing is, I, you know, this is the last year where Efrain is going to be worth something, I think in trade. 
um, and the salary is a little bit high. I think they, you know Mexican league would be a good place for him to go, but I think it's got to be this off season. I, I, I just his value is going to continue to decline because people are going to look at it and say the Galaxy don't use him. Why would we want him? They must know something. Yeah, I mean, I will say that his stats are actually okay this year. Efrain Alvarez, in the limited amount of playing time, he was rather effective in the time that he had, but also understand the situations that he came in to be effective, and a lot of times it was after defenses had been worn down, and it was when usually the Galaxy were winning as well. Um, $2 Super Chat from Francisco says, is Jonathan Klinsman staying even though he doesn't play? They'll have to talk to him about his contract. I mean, that's that's all these guys. I mean, don't just assume because guys don't play that they don't want to stay and keep getting a, a paycheck from the LA Galaxy. I think he's getting two hundred thousand too. I think a, we can, I, can, for, I can tell you how much he's making. Yeah, two hundred thousand dollars. It's not a horrible. That's amount. a lot, but it's a lot for a backup goalkeeper. I mean, I can remember when it's fine. I mean, back in the days, yes, absolutely. If you want to start and go back ten years, then two hundred thousand dollars. I was going to go back. Yeah. I was going to go back five years. Tyler yeah. Miller was making like sixty-seven and starting every game for LAFC. Yeah, yeah, no, you're you're, you're not wrong. Uh, what the gave us a two dollars super chat says, what's the percentage that Cabral uh, isn't bought out and comes back? I think low. I don't think he's going to be bought out though. I think he's going to be loaned out. I think he's going to go somewhere else. I think that's that's going to be the way they well, do it. Well, here's the thing that we 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 talked about before the show, and I started. Uh, to get going and we got distracted about something insignificant. But so when you go back and say, okay, in August, this team was going nowhere and it finished strong and it's great. And it made the playoffs and everyone's happy. Another guy whose contract is up is Chris Klein. Mm -hmm. His contract expired uh, this season. Now we don't know. Last time I spoke to him about it was I think September and we don't know what's happened in the interim, but it, you know, if Chris's contract is up, I would assume Jovan is, is, is up as well or, or near the end. So what do you do? Did, did Chris Klein do enough? With this team, uh, he and Jovan were the guys that brought in Ricky Pooz, the guys that brought in Bergman. Um, I know that Vanny was high on, on Bergman and been following him for years, but those are the guys that got it done. I mean, give credit mm -hmm. where credit is. We're going to dump on Klein and Jovan. We have to give them credit. They got it done. They got these guys in, changed the season. Is that enough where they come back? Now, you were saying earlier that perhaps the Galaxy say to Chris, hey, we'll give you a year or two. My my guess would be Chris Klein would say the last two contracts I got were five-year contracts. I got this team to the playoffs. Give me another five-year contract, and maybe that's where the talks break down. Right. But you know what happens to Klein and Jovan? Did they do enough to to come back? And do they come back on a long-term deal, or is, are they still on shaky ground? And maybe they get a short one or two-year deal. It, it's it's an interesting scenario. You can't just in, in my mind, if I'm looking at things, there's there's and. Let's be clear. I, I don't get paid the big bucks to make this decision, right? And I actually think this is a more difficult decision because you're having to make two decisions in this. One is, if we look at the body of work that we have seen from Chris Klein with Chris Klein president teams, the, a 10-game sprint or an 11-game sprint at the end of the season to make the playoffs to, to really put the Galaxy in. And I, I said it earlier, to make them one of the better teams in Major League Soccer over a, a relatively short stretch, right? There's a lot of momentum in that. There's a lot of now things are moving in the right direction. Like it's almost like you don't want to stop things. You don't want to change a whole bunch of things. And maybe changing the president at this time, right, is too much. Maybe going in and changing somebody like Jovan Karofsky is too much because you feel like the team is in this positive momentum, right? It's like a big ship. And once you get it moving, you don't want to stop it, right? You want to keep you want to let everything just keep sort of rolling in the same direction. So I think that's a decision that you have to make. But if you're judging it on the overall body of work, Kevin, it's tough to make an argument where a front office like that should stay, right? And listen, I certainly think that the Galaxy have suffered from um, 
from coaches trying to make the team in their image every time there's a new coach. Every coach wants to do it, but you know, constant changes hurt the LA Galaxy. I think that certainly we've been told and talked about um, you know, heads butting within the front office and coaches and coaches wanting to do something. And the fact that the galaxy didn't have a scouting department that was fully fledged out. And the fact that the galaxy are now just sort of putting that together under Greg Vanny, you know, those things could sort of show a lot of positives. And so do you want to keep that team together? That's working on this. Finally, it seems like all in the same direction. Do you want to keep that together? Especially when you're trying to make progress. Guillermo Barrescalotto makes the playoffs in 2019. 2020 was a weird year. Nobody's going to ever say it wasn't, right? But bottom line is that they had momentum after 2019 and they fell flat in 2020. The Galaxy have momentum in 2022. If they fall flat in 2023, people are out of jobs. I mean, I told you Greg Vanny wasn't going anywhere this year. Uh, I'm correct. He's not going anywhere this year, right? He's staying. You get to next year, Kevin, and the Galaxy come out and their first 15 games, they only win two or three. Greg Vanny's on the hot seat. He could be out. Right. And you have to keep that momentum going. So are you willing to change something right now? Something that could be good, could be bad. Right. Don't know. But you're changing something. Are you willing to do that right now with Chris Klein and, and Yovan Kroski? When you look at the, the client situation, especially I, I, Yovan's a little bit different, but Klein, he's the president. So even things that maybe he didn't come up with, maybe weren't his ideas, he's responsible for because he's the president. The buck stops with him, right? So you look at, it's a on the other hand thing. Well, you know, it, it, season ticket uh, uh, holders are down. The number of season ticket holders, attendance was a little bit flat. It wasn't terrible, but it, it didn't soar. Um you know, you could say that's good or bad. He held ground, you know, mm -hmm. coming out of COVID, it was difficult. Um, there was a whole embarrassing thing with the Orange County Soccer Club and how that leaked and how that was handled. Now, I know Chris wasn't part of that or he wasn't in charge of that, but it happened on his watch and it was bad. But then here's the Rose Bowl game. That could be 60, 70,000. That could be a hugely successful could, could thing. Could be 90,000. Yeah, It could be hugely successful. So we don't, you know, Klein deserves credit for that. Um, he, he brought Ricky Fusion and, and Casares and, and Brugman and turned the season around, but he also put that roster on the field to start the season. That was a poor team or, or um, the, or the so, roster in 2017 or the roster in 2018, well, you know, I and, mean, and, and, and that's where, that's where you're talking about the length of the contract is so important. We know that, that Guillermo was making a million dollars a year. So Klein's got to be probably there or higher because I don't think you want your president making less than your, than your coach. So let's say a, a five-year contract for, for Klein would be $5 million, mm -hmm. you know? Okay. So you sign up for $5 million and if the team goes flat next year and you're talking about Vanny's on the hot seat, wouldn't Klein be back on the hot seat? Now you got to buy him out at four and a half million. Yeah. So maybe you do give him a year or two contract. Maybe he gets a little bit more, maybe he gets 1.25 million, but then if you buy it out, you're not buying out $5 million. You're buying out less. Uh, my point being, I, I think maybe he's deserved a new contract, but I don't know if he's deserved the, mul the, the multi-year contracts he's gotten in the past because this is still a work in progress. Yeah, and, and it's unknown, right? I mean, again, there's momentum, there's positivity. I would be, so if if the Galaxy can capture the way that they played the last 11 games of the season, and listen, sometimes that's catching lightning in a bottle and the Galaxy may have just been, you know, mentally in the right spot. They were playing the right teams at the right time. They had the right motivation. Everything clicked. There's no guarantee that, you know, come 2023 at the Rose Bowl against LAFC um, that there's going to be the same clickiness that is ready to go, right? I mean, there's you can't guarantee that. Um, and so part of me also says that you have to make the best decisions for the club. So what is the best decision for the club? Well, is it is it changed now? Is it going... You could bring in somebody like Baz Pachenko, 
um, who has worked with Greg Vanny before, right? And and they've done that, right? You could go in and get somebody like Garth Loggerway, right? They're, I don't think you're going to be afraid to make a change to keep momentum going, right? I, I know I've, I've made the argument that perhaps you don't want to do that, right? But I don't think if you're in a position of managing the LA Galaxy, can you say, do we have the absolute best, right? And if you're the 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 standard bearer, right? You're the flag-waving uh, best MLS team in Major League Soccer, how can you sit there and do anything less? And I think we've talked about that many times on the show. So that's something that um, that quite honestly, Dan Beckerman and and Phil Anschutz have to have to be involved in to make those decisions because there's nobody higher than than Chris Klein besides Dan Beckerman and, and Phil Anschutz. I mean, a lot of times I think Dan thinks that we give him credit for stuff that he has no hand in, right? But ultimately, this is going to be his decision and his decision probably alone. Maybe Phil has some input. I don't know how active Phil is anymore um, with all this stuff. But Well, Dan, but you know, talk about Dan Beckerman. It, you know, in my relations with him, what I found out is that Dan Beckerman loves to to be involved in things that go right. I signed Zolatan. I got Chicharito here. Um, and then when things go wrong, it was like, oh, you know, the Dennis was the one that brought Guillermo in. I had nothing to do with that. I hired Dennis to make those decisions, and that's what his decision was. No, no, you can't have it both ways. You can't take credit for the good stuff. Your signature is on the contracts, win or lose, and right. you're the one that signed it. Um, it, it. You know, if you listen to 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 Dennis on Guillermo, you must have listened to Dennis on Chicharito too. So don't take credit for one and then not take the blame for the well, other. Well, and I think – I know that we've been critical of this front office. I know we've been critical of Chris Klein, of Yovan Karofsky. I realize that. I am 100% always have been in in favor of when you do something good, you get credit, right? Like bringing in Zlatan Ibrahimovic. That was huge, right? You can't underestimate how big that was. And, and that was Yovan. That that, was, that, Zlatan even said that. Exactly. And so you have to sit there and say, that's stuff that Yovan can do. Can anybody else in Major League Soccer do what Yovan does in that? I, I think it's a good question. Right? Can you say that they're listen, I think there's been a lot of faults with how this team has scouted and we'll put it in quotation marks. Can you fault that on Jovan or is that a structure issue? Is that is Jovan in charge of that structure? You know, for some reasons we think that yes, he is in charge of structure. In some ways we say no, he's not in charge of structure. We think Vanny is more in charge of the structure of how things happen now than they have been, right? And maybe Jovan is now a piece within that 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 goes out and does the things that Greg asks. Right. So then, you know, then you're looking at that, then that might he might be a valuable tool to this to this organization based on knowing that there is another filter in there that the galaxy can scout and look at players and decide on players and bring in. You're never I'm, I'm going to say something shocking right here, Kevin. People will freak out about this. It doesn't matter if you have the best player in the world. If you bring them in, sometimes they're not successful. You can have things that don't fit, that don't mesh. Players that come in, you expect to do well and don't. Players that you didn't expect to do very well do. This is why it's a sport. This is why we we pay attention to it because there are twists and turns and valleys and creeks. Now, you'd hope that you do on an overall level. You want to be always trending in the positive direction, right? You get enough signings that keep you moving in the forward direction. Get some surprises. You get some negative surprises, but the positives always outweigh that, right? So, Well, I, I think you're onto something there because... When I spoke to Jovan about signing Puj and, and Brugman, he made a big point of going out of his way multiple times to say, this is what Greg wanted. This is the way Greg plays. These are the players Greg wanted. I, I don't remember Jovan being as forceful saying that when he had signed other players. I mean, he brought in Gio. He brought in Zlatan. Um, 
at those times he would talk about how he had these relationships and were able to get the players. And that's fine. That's he's telling the truth. My point would be in this case, it sounds like he was taking directions from Greg, that Greg was the guy telling him what he wanted. And Jovan still had the, uh, not, you know, the authority to go off and do what he does, but he had a little bit of direction and it's exactly what you're talking about. You know, look at Mark Delgado, the same player, but he was a different player when Bergman and Pusch came in because he had a different role. Um, maybe Jovan has a little bit of a different role. Maybe he is going to be much more successful now because he's going out and getting the players that Vanny wants. He, he could go out and get 11 great players, but as you said, if they don't mesh together, if they don't fit the manager's style, they're not going to be successful. So I think right. perhaps Jovan has found this niche working under Greg that is going to make him ultra successful at what he's doing. Could Very well could be. Uh, Francisco asks, are we getting a GM? I don't think that they're ever going to call anybody a general manager right now. Although, a new president, somebody like a Garth Lagerway or, or Tim Bazpachenko, who want to put Todd Donovan in that particular role, may actually function as a GM in some ways. But it feels I think Vanny is functioning as a GM right now. It feels that he's way. He's telling Jovan, yeah, he's telling Jovan, here's who I want. This is the, this is the kind of that's what a GM would do. It, it's you know? taken us most of this year to figure that out, though. I mean, really, we've and we've tried to gauge all this the entire time. And some people, well, Vanny's clearly in charge if you listen to him. But we've always been like, well, we've heard that before. Right. But I think that there is something to that. Um, well, and I think the Galaxy figured it out because Jovan, again, this is the player Greg wanted. Well, guess what? Greg's played the same style his whole life. He wanted that player last year. And now the Galaxy finally got this procedure together that, oh, that's who you want. We'll go get that guy. <laughs> uh, Raphael gave us a five dollar super chat, says thanks, guys, for another season of great pods. We appreciate that, Raphael. Appreciate it. Um, what the gave us a five dollar super chat, says Josh, how much would you take the Galaxy president position for? <laughs> enough to buy enough to buy a new train set for the house. Uh, I mean, I think the going rate, you're going to pay me a lot of money. You're going to have to pay me like a significant amount to not be able to go do all the fun things that I get to do, like do this podcast. I mean, if I'm taking the president role, I doubt I get to do a podcast every week or twice a week. That's that's going to be a major hit. Um, I think I'll take, you know, I'll probably take double what Chris Klein's making and whatever that I'd have no idea what is. No, but like you said, a million dollars. I'll take two million dollars to, to do that. Do, don't you think I'm worth two million dollars as president of the LA Galaxy? Kevin, you know, let, let's let, let's be honest, though. It's much easier to sit here and second guess. Of course it, is. it is to make those decisions. Of course and, it is. And we're second guessing decisions when we were not in the room and don't know everything that was discussed. I mean, we could say, oh, gosh, they should have went out and got this guy. And maybe they talked to that guy and that guy said, no way am I ever coming there because my ex-wife lives there or whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. we, we don't know what was talked about. So it's much easier to take pot shots at guys than it is to actually make the decision. No, but we've also talked to enough people that a lot of times we've been told what happened in the room, whether or not that's a yeah. factual retelling, as as we often know, people people tend to embellish and do all sorts of things. But when you get told the same story in different ways from three different people, you tend to believe those stories. So. And we know some skeletons. We know where the, <laughs> some skeletons are. A few. We, we seem few. We're we, not talk we, about it on the show. But. We, seem to, we seem to run into them on occasion, and that's fine. But... Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's very interesting. Uh, Mauricio, by the way, a dollar uh, super chat. Thank you for that, Mauricio, as well. Um, sort of looking at Cameron Dunbar. I mean, there are some young players that, you know, that probably come into this as well, right? Jalen Neal, Marcus Verkranis. Uh, let's see. Uh, Judd. These guys are playing on youth national teams. It's not like they're they're just roster fillers. They, right. These guys are good players. Preston Judd, Daniel Aguirre. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think. Carlos Harvey, Adam Saldana, who was sidelined with a lot of injuries this year. Maybe he can come in. You talked about the midfield. I think the Galaxy have some young midfielders that could do that, but I think they do need another veteran sort of in that midfield, especially if you're going to take somebody like Victor Vasquez out. That 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 makes some sense to me. Well, maybe maybe that's Sasha's position. He comes back and he um, 
I guess you're going off there, uh, deal with your illness. <laughs> I guess that's where Sasha comes in because he comes back to mentor Dunbar and some of these players and, and they need somebody like that. And, you know, that that's a hugely valuable thing. If, if Sasha is not going to be playing, but he's sitting on the bench and he can talk Dunbar through some of these games. Do you see what that guy did? You see, next time you need to move this way. Not necessarily watching what they're doing on the field, but watching the game with them and just sort of talking them through it. Watch Jovalich scores in the LAFC game. Great goal. Uh, single touch. It, it was fun sort of having Landon Donovan in the booth for that as well. I thought that was that was a nice little touch. And I thought Landon did. Called it very much down the middle. Um, but when Jovalich scores... And he puts that in. They sort of go and they follow the the celebrations. And who's the guy who's in everybody's faces, who's just off the field, who's like screaming, like, let's go. Let's go right now. Get to tighten up on the defense. Tighten up. Right. The whole deal. It's Sasha question. Right. I mean, that stuff means something. I know people that pretend like it doesn't mean something. It does mean something. It really does. It is a matter of how the locker room comes together. We talked about this locker room going through some some more difficult times, but they never lost each other, right? They were playing for each other, especially down the stretch. These guys like each other. It's the first time this locker room has liked each other since, <laughs> I think, 2015, 2016, maybe. Um, certainly since 2014. Um, so so all these things matter, and they matter in little steps. It's just a matter of how you're going to bring in other players. And it's one of the reasons I don't like to speculate on which players I think the Galaxy are going to go. I'll rather just let the rumors sort of fill them in because... You can go anywhere in the world, and I'm sure Greg Vanny has an idea of who he wants. I, I I hesitate to say it, but Kevin, you and I knew that this was a possibility and that it was it was likely going to happen, and just it hasn't. But if some things change for Christian Pavone, I wouldn't be surprised to see him come back to the LA Galaxy. They, I think they still want him. Um, and you talk about a winger who could change things on a TAM contract. Maybe that really works for the LA Galaxy uh, coming up. So anyway, there's there's little things like that that sort of go into it. Michael Stevens is all going to be a part of this too. The one thing I think the galaxy have been lacking is which other teams have scouts in the area. LAFC has Juan Pablo and hell in, in Colombia, and he's sort of scouting Latin America. It, I just get the impression and maybe they're not telling us everything and why should they? Uh, I think Michael Stevens is going to kind of be that, that, that sort of eye in the sky, but uh, you know, it seems like Greg Vanny finds guys and then he tells them to go out and check them out. And, how can you coach the team and and sort of be the quasi general manager and also be the only guy scouting? Now, I, Yo, I know Jovan does stuff too, but you know his connections. Most of his connections are in Europe, and, right. and he does very well there. Uh, MLS is becoming increasingly, it seems to me, an African Latin American league. Um, and I don't know that the Galaxy have the boots on the ground in those places and have the deep deep ties that they need to have to go toe-to-toe with some of the other teams in the league that are getting players out of there. Has to be developed. You have to develop that scouting system. It's something that, for whatever reason, the LA Galaxy have dragged their feet. Maybe it's budgetary. And if you look at how much money they spend on all their players, you can't sit there and tell me that you can't not spend maybe $2 million and throw that stuff into... There's two ways that you build a team. Well, there's more than two ways, but you know, for our purpose of this discussion, there's two ways to build a team. You have an academy system, and you develop players through the academy, and then, like teams like Sevilla and Spain, then you, when you develop those players, you sell them, and that's the money you use to acquire players, or you develop talented players. FC Dallas is a good example of that. Their academy system has been very good. They've developed a lot of players. Uh, they've sold some. They've kept others. That's the way that they do it. Then you have a team like LAFC that didn't have a developed academy for a long time. All their big players, they were signed uh, or traded or acquired in other ways. Very few academy players have made any kind of an impact for LAFC. Right. The Galaxy want to be an academy player, uh, academy team, and we found that out when Bruce left. If you remember the 2017 team, what was that about? Players that came through our pipeline, our academy players, 
it failed miserably. And then they went back to the old model of acquiring players. The Galaxy, it seems to me, the foundation is we are an academy team, but the reality is we go out and acquire players. And because of that dynamic, I think a lot of times they get players that don't fit. Patrick in the chat room says that Anschutz needs to go out and buy a Premier League club so he can use it as a scouting network for the Galaxy. There you go. See? All, that would every, be good. Everything's solved. We can even take Wrexham. There. <laughs> Uh, I think I think those guys are doing okay right now. Like in terms of their ownership, I like I like the way that, that that's all being handled. I actually think that's that's a fun story. If you haven't been watching, welcome to Wrexham. It's it's first it, season's over. Yeah, it's well, I haven't watched all of them yet, so I'm still. Oh, I'm by still the way, you, I, I I did some scouting. I got some inside information uh, on uh, Ted Lasso. Yeah, what do you got? Well, apparently the shooting for this season will not be done until mid November, mid to late November. So, if that is true, and I uh, I got it from a high authority, mm-hmm. um, then we won't see any episodes until early next year. Okay, maybe even March. That's okay. You know what? I need to go back and rewatch all of them again, um, season one, season two, all the way through. So I, I got some time to to be able to figure that all out. That would be that would be good. Um, I'm trying to think. If there's anything else from the from from the game that I sort of wanted to highlight? I don't think so. Um, oh, you. What about Bond though? You were talking about Bond's contract. Is, what, is he is. coming back? I don't know. It's a great question. Um, do I think that Jonathan Bond is the best goalkeeper the Galaxy could get? No. Do I think Jonathan Bond is a upper half talent in Major League Soccer? Remember, there's 29 teams coming up. Do I think he's in one of the top 14 or 15 in the league? Yes. Do I think he's in the top 10? Probably not. So that would, it's, I really like him. He's a great guy. Uh, I think, I think his, his, his approach to the game is great. I think he loves being here. I think he, he fights for, for the, you know, however much you want to measure that. I always think that's a stupid thing to say, but I think he fights for the team. I think that a lot of the goals that he gives up are absolutely not his fault. Right. But whenever you ask him to make the really big saves on occasion, he can come up with them. But a lot of times he doesn't. I mean, the ball that comes in in stoppage time is a really difficult ball. It's low. It's through traffic. He's trying to get to it. And the rebound is right out in front. And again, if Brugman and Jovalich decide to actually track the ball as it's coming in, maybe they can disrupt something. Right. It was already a dangerous place. Dangerous spot. I I, I, I like Jonathan. I think he's happy here. They found a girlfriend here. I think he enjoys being the guy, um, I, I agree with you. I mean, one, he's had one shutout the second half of the season. And again, shutouts always go to the goalkeeper, but it, there's a lot of factors when there isn't a clean sheet. Um, you know, Jim Curtin said something interesting this weekend when talking about Andre Blake. I was going to say, I was going to say, did you, yeah. you have this quote, don't you? Yes, go ahead. No, I don't have the quote. But, but I, I don't have the quote I either. The gist of it. Yes, yeah, go ahead. Say it. Basically he talked about spending on a goalkeeper. That is the one position where your money will go furthest in determining whether you have a successful or unsuccessful team. That the goalkeeper is that important. You know, there's only been one um, designated player goalkeeper in MLS history. That was Tim Howard. Um, but Jim Curtin was saying, you know, if you're going to spend your money somewhere, getting a, uh, the best goalkeeper you can, that's the one position that has the greatest effect on whether you have a successful season or not. Here's the and thing. Look at, look at how great Andre Blake was. I mean, in yeah. Philadelphia is now still in the playoffs. Yeah, but I mean, you also have to look at the Galaxy in terms of their roster construction. The Galaxy have 10 internationals on their roster. That doesn't count 
Jonathan Bond, who is a dual national, or Derek Williams, who's a dual national, right? So those guys don't count as international players, even though they technically are, are internationals, right? So the Galaxy. I have, think there was a lot of games when Mark Delgado was the only U.S. citizen, U.S. born player. He, he could very well could. Well, be. I guess Araujo. Yeah, or maybe Araujo. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, but but basically, what I'm saying is that. It's difficult. I always think it's difficult to construct a team based on internationals because you're only given eight slots, which means that you have to go out and find, if you're going to have 10, two slots every time. Now, the Galaxy did it, made it under the cap, not a problem. They had it. But at the same time, that's tough, and that's an extra spend. That's money that you have to spend on something that is not the team. And a lot of times you can make that work. It's just, it's always something you have to work around. As it goes into the preseason, Kevin, the Galaxy will need two international slots. If they kept the exact same roster, they'd have to go out and buy two international slots for the start of the season because they don't have enough. Well, one thing that's changed with MLS uh, roster construction, this is something I was told maybe six, seven years ago, is that went back in the old days before TAM and all that, when you had three DPs and then you had to fill the roster in with cheap players to make it work. The idea was if you're going to spend money on a DP, that guy has to make an impact. And the way you make an impact as a midfielder or preferably a forward, a guy who's going to score a lot of goals, you know, fans can see that. We spent $3 million on this guy. He scored 20 goals. That was worth it. And, and so when you do that and then you have to fit the rest of your roster under the cap, what do you, you go get a lot of cheap American players and their defenders. Why? Because the guys you're spending the money on are your forwards or your chief midfielders. So now you're getting holding midfielders or defenders and sometimes goalkeepers. TAM has changed that because now you have a lot of uh, – defenders coming in getting tam money omar gonzalez was a dp as a defender uh and now i think with what jim Curtin talked about you may start seeing teams spend money on goalkeepers and that's where you talk about building out the bottom of your roster so you have two or three dps but you have five or six or maybe even seven starters that are getting tam money all of a sudden your team is a little bit better it's not the guy that just graduated from wisconsin parkview you know, as you're starting center back because, and he's making $80,000 a year that MLS teams aren't like that anymore. $530,000 is what the LA galaxy spend on Jonathan bond, $200,000 on Jonathan Klinsman, right? So 750, right around there, $740,000, um, that you can look at and say, that's what the LA galaxy goalkeepers are, are, are basically spending. Not a huge amount. Uh, $2 super chat from what that says. Bond got a contract extension triggered whenever he got 11 saves. That was a, that's a, that's a Chicharito <laughs> joke. Uh, that's a Chicharito joke. Um, yeah. So, so that's where we sit. Uh, I, you know, you started this show, Kevin, by asking whether or not you should feel happy or sad or what is the, the feeling? I think there should be some optimism. I think that's the feeling. I, I think that everybody has the right to feel, uh, a, a little sad at the end of, especially in the playoffs. I always feel like it comes so abruptly whenever, whenever teams get knocked out of the playoffs, you're like, yeah, no, okay. It's over. Right. It's like all this, it's super high energy. And then it's over. Um, and now it's sort of like, what are you going to do? You know, where else are you going to go? How are you going to sort of, uh, you know, advance through? So um, I think there should be optimism. I'm very interested to see what happens with the front office. Um, I think that's one of the, the key things to sort of watch. And then watch what happens with the LA Galaxy in this offseason. All the drafts and everything, like everything happens before the start of the new year, Kevin, which is really weird because most of the time it filters it over into, you know, January and in January, we start to like build up to all this stuff, but you're going to get everything done basically before the, the Christmas well, they holiday. They open February, the first game is February 25th. So it is. Know, they, they kind of get going. It, they, the the schedule is going to be a little bit longer, a lot of fixture congestion with that tournament in the middle of the season. I, I'm really interested to see how that works because teams that go out of that tournament and group play, all of a sudden they got three weeks without a game. Uh, and then the teams that go to the final, they're going to be playing, you know, uh, 
six, seven extra games, and then they're going to go right back into the MLS season. Um, the, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how this comes together and whether it's a – I suppose the consensus is it's a good thing. We'll wait and see how it works out. Uh, if you're looking at the playoffs, uh, both games in the Western Conference Finals and the Eastern Conference Finals take place on uh, October 30th, right? So that's coming up. Uh, on just, Sunday, did yeah. you see the time? The West Coast game is at noon. At and noon. The East Coast game is at, at, is at five. Yeah. Uh, that just seems backward to me. It always feels backwards. It, I, I just don't understand. I don't understand most of this stuff. But if you look at, I think the ratings for Galaxy uh, and LAFC were actually slightly down whenever they went to play up against like a Thursday night football game on FS1. And FS1 games draw like crap anyway. I again, I can't wait for the Apple TV deal to come. I'm I'm going to be very excited about that. I to well, me, if if we're basing these start times on TV, which is what we're always told, mm-hmm. okay. So you have Philadelphia. I think the LFC Austin game is going to be more exciting. I think it's going to be a a more fun game to watch. There's the fact Austin beat them twice and now coming in and playing the supporter shield winners. Um, There's going to be a lot of goals in that game. Right. And then you have Philadelphia playing, uh, you know, uh, New York and and they're going to play in Philadelphia. The world series is going to be going on. You know, the Eagles are undefeated. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it would just seem like the, the game that we're viewers are going to want to watch it's going to be the LAFC Austin game. And so why not have that be the prime time is what it is. Uh, that's your Western conference. Uh, I, for my money with the teams that are left right now, I actually expect both ones to make it through Kevin. So I think it's LAFC and Philadelphia in the, in the final after seeing where they're at. Do you have a, do you, do you have any way you think that's going? Uh, he, Austin did beat them twice. I think Austin learned something about them. The, this LAFC team is different from the one. I think that Austin won the game at, at bank of California. It's a little bit different team. And the second game that LAFC was in that horrible streak. Um, this is a big hurdle for LAFC. This is where they got tripped up last time. They were a Supporters Shield winner. Um, you know, they did play Philadelphia, and it was a, I think it was the first game of the season, or one of the first games of the season, and it was a draw. So, um, two, it, 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 no matter how it goes for LAFC, these are going to be two difficult games if they do get to the final. I, um, I, I will say, I will say, I think the both the one seeds are significantly better than everybody else in their conference. I think LAFC and Philadelphia are more head and shoulders clearer uh, of of there than any. We we were very muddled in the Western Conference where you looked at that Dallas Austin game. That was not a. I, I didn't think that was a great game, right? The whole deal. Um, but you know, Austin sort of advanced it. But there's a lot of closeness there. Um, I said it earlier. I thought the LA Galaxy were probably the one team who could really take on LAFC. You you, you talk about Austin beating them I, again. I think it's hard to win three times in a row. So, well, and the thing is, if, if Philadelphia plays LAFC, I saw that Nashville game. LAFC had 28 shots, and Joe Willis made 14 saves. Andre Blake could be would be the determining factor in that game. If it turned out to be Philadelphia and LAFC, I could definitely see that game ending one to nothing with Blake standing on his head again. Yep. Uh, and and LAFC losing that game. Uh, Philadelphia not a, you know may not be as offensively potent as LAFC, but they only need to get one with the way Blake's playing right now. Uh, very interesting. Should be good. That's your playoffs uh, sort of wrapping up. I would like to point this out as well. The LA Galaxy. The Godfather. The, the Godfather. Well, there's there's controversy around this, Kevin. Controversy, I tell you. Um, uh, the Godfather himself uh, was 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 thanked by the LA Galaxy in terms of thank you for all you're done, but we're moving on in another direction. If you've been on Twitter, there's a little uh, there's a story that goes along with this. That basically, the LA Galaxy notified him by text message. I think while he was at the LAFC uh, LA Galaxy game. And basically, it was already known that he was being replaced. He was just sort of the last person to to look at it. Regardless of that, let's set that aside for a second because I want to say you want to talk about a guy who has been nothing but a 
a, a an ambassador for esports and what he has done. I mean, the dude. I've I've had tons of tons of conversations with him. He's great. Uh, he's such a good. He he did so much good outreach with with esports and what is going on. Uh, and he was absolutely one of those guys who tried and tried and tried uh, to always make his impression. He's not there anymore. And maybe the LA Galaxy have some explaining to do about how they sort of let that whole thing go. Uh, but from here, corner of the galaxy, the Godfather, thank you. Uh, it was great talking to you. I'm sure we'll see you around. If you ever need anything, you know where we are here at corner of the galaxy. Uh, I'm speaking for myself. Kevin has no idea what esports are. He's still trying to figure that out. So, so the gal- the galaxy made him an offer. He couldn't refuse. Uh, apparently not. Apparently the the offer was never refused or, or was not <laughs> was available to be accepted. It wasn't yeah. even an offer. Yes, yes. So, um, but yeah, it, it should be really interesting. Uh, Tracker gave us a two dollars super chat. Says, and we'll close out the show with this. Uh, you going to keep doing weekly pods? Uh, I appreciate it. So, the plan is, at least in the short term, there's no show on Thursday. I'm going to take a little break from that. Then Halloween is on Monday. So next Thursday uh, in November is when we will have our next live show. Okay, when, what is that? The ne- November third. That is November third. Okay, November third is when our next live show. It give me a little break. It's like a week, um, and then we'll sort of decide whether or not things are going to move fast enough that we have enough information to do two shows a week or one show a week. We usually figure it out. Plus, we know that one Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter is going to be in another country covering a little event called the World Cup. And so the time difference on that is probably going to shut down Mondays because I'm not getting up early for non-game stuff uh, if it's not in the middle of the year. We did it when you were in Russia where I would get up at like 4.30 in the morning and go and record a podcast. Um, well, when daylight savings starts, I think the time difference is now 11 hours. So if you wanted to do the show at eight o'clock, no, um, I have a yeah, job. that would be like six in the morning or something. Yeah, I mean, I have morning. a job to do. I have things I have to do, which is why we always try to like sort of put it in there. So, um, but anyway, so we'll keep you updated. We'll put, if you go to corner of the galaxy.com, you click on the live one there, it'll show you when our next shows are. I'll try to keep that updated as we go. But eventually what's going to happen is there's going to be enough news. There's going to be enough drafts. There's going to be enough everything that we're going to have two shows a week. And it'll probably happen a lot sooner. And my wife will be disappointed that it happens so quickly because she's already going to be like, wow, you're going like a whole week without shows, you know, and the whole deal. And then all of a sudden it'll be back and I'll be two doing two shows a week again. So we'll be around not to worry. I'd also like to point out, Kevin, we're approaching our 1000th show. And so I am thinking about doing a live show possibly at the beginning of the new year and whether it's our 1000th show or we've already done it however it does we will call it like our 1000th show extravaganza and we'll do a live show and let's let's do it from qatar come on over there yeah we'll do it from there just i i'll just i'll just go put me in your suitcase now nah, you probably get in trouble for that in qatar right they they frown upon uh men taking taking other men in suitcases i believe i believe that's yeah, right. yeah. It, it, yes yeah. yes that, that would probably not work but you know you know what i miss i haven't seen since you started your 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 large scale railroad endeavors there have been very few of these small scale railroad videos on your facebook page i apologize there will be an update i did get a new engine um that has that means a lot to me so i will be sharing that um but large scale railroading um no no surprise here kevin small smaller scale expensive very expensive large scale much much more expensive so i've been having to save the pennies and you know i'm i'm having to figure out what i want to get 
So yes, that's all stuff. I was out there for this whole weekend. Um, I ran a birthday party for somebody. Um, so I did about three hours of, of train driving there for a birthday party. Kids were smiling. I love it. It's great. Smile factor. And you have your own engineer outfit. I do. I haven't worn it, but I'm afraid to. My wife says that she won't let me outside the house in it. So I'm, I've sort of been. Is it the overalls with yes. the stripes? And, yeah, absolutely. And the little ball cap? I, my hat I wear all the time. Uh, okay. the, the actual outfit itself, I've so far not been allowed to leave the house in. So one of these days, we'll get there. It's, it's coming. It's, Christmas is coming. I, I imagine I got to put up a pretty good show for Christmas. I, I could see you at Disneyland someday driving that Casey Jr. Railroad thing. I would, If they'd let me, I would do it. 100%. I, wouldn't, I could ride the real railroad, too. I, I now have railroad connections. Don't you know? I know people who know people who do those jobs. So anyway. The one through the prime, primeval tunnel yeah. thing? The Disneyland Railroad? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. One of the most famous railroads in the world? Yes. Okay, good. Glad we talked about it. Uh, Brendel gave us a $1 super chat to sort of close it out, and we certainly appreciate that. Any other super chats that you guys want to throw our way before we're done? Brendel with a $2 super chat as well, probably trying to figure out how to ask a question. Hasn't been able to do it yet. So um, that's where we're, uh, we're going. The LA Galaxy season comes over. First of all, I would l- just like to thank everybody. Again, Kevin, I want to thank you. I want to thank Hammer, Sophie, Christian Miles, Nikki K., uh, anybody who has come on this show and helped us this year, you've been amazing and great. I appreciate it. Kevin, by the way, you sort of get a a, a pretty big uh, tip of the cap whenever you're thinking about it because you are consistently on the show more than almost anybody else. So your dedication, your volunteerism should be pointed out because you'd get nothing out of this, probably the more crap than you need. That's That's really what you get. Well, I'm just trying to bring the quality up. By the way, I want to thank, I know Kevin Acevedo is listening, so got to thank the Galaxy PR staff. Hi, Kevin. Vicky Mercado. Hi, Vicky. Vicky. Has, Vicky has been a game changer in her two years uh, with the team in, in her position. It has totally changed my life. Uh, extremely cooperative and easy to work with. And all the, the Galaxy players and coaches from Greg Vanny has been very very giving of his time and yeah. expertise uh, players. I, I don't think there's one player on the team that has been, there have been in the past, there've been a lot of jerks. I don't think one player on the team has been surly or has been anything less than absolutely cooperative with us this season. Yeah. Sophie, I, did I mention Sophie? Oh my God. If I forgot, you Sophie. Did. okay, good. I just want to make sure Sophie's been outstanding too. Um, and, and everybody was coming and Nikki, by the way, doing the sideline stuff and then coming on here on occasion is, has been, uh, I, I talked to her today. I talked to triple P today. So, per, How about that? You have to. What is it? What is it? Perpetually perky and, posi- per, posi- and positive. Positive. Yeah, okay. It's perpetually just, perky and positive. Triple P. Um, so yeah, everybody has been uh, so nice. This has been. I said it after the LAFC game. I'll say it again. One of the most entertaining seasons I think I could ever remember covering. Yes, ups, downs, sideways. Uh, but you didn't know really what the LA Galaxy were ever going to present to you on any given game day, trying to predict whether or not they would win. By the way, I think I got my most like correct score predictions in my head, at least. I got the most right this year than I probably have any other. Well, except game. you got the playoff game wrong. I was close, though. I said 3-2 Galaxy, and it ended up being 3-2 LAFC. I was That's right on the number difference. of goals. That's a big difference. I was right on the number of goals, though. <laughs> yes, you were. So, yes, you um, were. so yeah, it was it was a lot of good things. Um, by the way, a five dollars super chat from Raphael says, "Where can I get more of Kevin's dad jokes now that the season is over?" I have no <laughs> idea, and hopefully nobody has I'm, to deal with that. Yeah, I, I should do a book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody, uh, I was on TikTok, and somebody said uh, this was more of a question than joke. But the number two pencil is the most popular pencil in the world. Why is it number two? 
right? If it's the most popular oh, pencil, good. it should be number one, right? Why can't why can't they get an upgrade to the number one pencil? Just things that you make know, you I, think. I, I was on Twitter at the last World Cup, and I forget the game it was, but one team had a player named Casper, and the other team brought in a, a player named Casper, and I said, these guys don't have a ghost of a chance. And uh, I said that on Twitter, and I just got hammered. Nobody liked it? I mean, it? That, went, that was a World Cup game, so that went to people all over the place. That, and was, it was, like, that was outstanding. <laughs> That's how, that was how I would have I would have been proud to be booed about that joke. You if yeah. you're going to tell a good dad joke, you have to understand. Uh, yeah, that was the booed. ultimate dad joke. All right, let's wrap it up. Uh, I think that does it. Again, we will be back. We won't be back quickly. Um, but again, November third is our next live show. That'll be a Thursday night. We'll see which one of my co-hosts will join us for that. And then Kevin and I will try to figure out a little bit of a rhythm here, maybe before the World Cup starts. Um, but that's that's happening quickly, isn't it? When does the when do you head it to, is. to uh, I, Qatar? I leave on the twelfth. Okay. I leave. I leave on the twelfth. Sixteen and a half hours in the plane, folks. Well, nice, nice. That'll be that'll be a nice plane. But it's a, like I like being on airplanes that long. That means you're going somewhere, and it's fun to be in the air that long. That's kind of cool. You're time traveling. Your time yeah. time condenses the faster you move towards the speed of light. So just remember that. And people think I'm getting first class. The times don't even pay for coach. I got to stand. <laughs> they Velcro me to the wall. You're in the baggage claim. I understand. Yeah. 100%. All right. Uh, let's roll this up. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. Head on over to corner or head on over to latimes.com for his uh, news articles and also his uh, what newsletter. That's right. Newsletter. Newsletter. Yeah, we'll get you there. Don't worry. I'll figure it out. A lot of out. Galaxy news in the newsletter tomorrow. Check it out. Check it out. Go subscribe to that and you can do that. LATimes.com. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N and of course at Galaxy Podcast. Cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can find videos, podcasts, all that fun stuff is right there. Appreciate all of you hanging in there with us this year. We will be here in the off season. We'll get you ready for all the things that are coming up in 2023. All right, for Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Gessman. You've been listening. You've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Arajo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.